Welcome to the GoldenAgeHorror.com podcast. This is episode 42, Current Echo. You can check out our website, www.GoldenAgeHorror.com, or stay tuned after the podcast for info and show notes. Did you know Current Echo means black hat? Uh, in Japanese, yeah. Yeah. This is a this is a Japanese film. True. And uh, Current Echo is black cat, black cat in Japanese. Yeah. Shikoro is black. Uh, and Echo is of the black. cat. Cool, cool, cool. Cool, cool. This is a 1968 um, horror film from Japan, directed by Kaneto Shindo. I'm going to trust you on that one. Um, I apologize to Mr. Shindo. He's listening <laughs> for my uh, mangling of his name. Yeah. Um, Andrew, would you want to give us a summary of uh, The Black Cat? Or Kuroneko. Kuroneko? As it's pronounced in Japanese. Would you, would you like a summary in Japanese? Could you? Good luck on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I can say Kuroneko. <laughs> That's about as far as I can go. Oh, yokai. Kuroneko yokai. Mm-hmm. Well, the full title is apparently... Uh, Kuroneko, yokai, yokai yokai, yokai Kuroneko, samurai yokai. Oh, you're doing it in Japanese. Samurai yokai Kuroneko. So you're just saying black cat ghost, 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 black cat ghost. Samurai. <laughs> samurai. I know a few other words, but they don't help in context, I don't believe. The um, the full title of this movie is was originally Yabu no Naka no Koroneko, which is a black cat in a bamboo grove. Okay. Which actually is a, a, little, more, a, little, more, a little bit more poetic. Yeah. I like it a little bit better. It's a good title. Yeah, it's a good black title. Cat is very, black Cat is a very movie title. Mm. Straight to the point. This is also an adaptation of the Edgar Allan Poe story. It is? No. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> those seem like very different adaptations. Yeah. Well, it's about as faithful. As compared to the other Black Cat we did, this is about as faithful as... Uh, okay. But I'm going to stop calling it a Black Cat. I'm going to call it Kuroneko because that's, I think, a better name. I mean, technically, it is the same name. Yeah. Well, I, I'm of two minds of that kind of thing. You know, as in, as in, is um, like translating names, mm-hmm. and typically I would say if it's released um, internationally, you would say it in your foreign tongue because usually the phrase means nothing to you; it's just a foreign word. So you're you're saying it's more correct, or you you would think it's more correct to say a black cat? Typically, mm-hmm. but I sometimes you want to get snooty and you'll say il doce vita. Yeah, well, it's a real. I mean, no one calls it the sweet life or whatever. Right, that's what, that's what I'm saying. It's a real fine line. Yeah. But they'll also call it, you know, breathless, as opposed mm-hmm. to whatever the, fucking, whatever the French word is. I, I'm content, personally, to have it be... Corneco. Well, yeah. Corneco, and also, in general, I'm content to have it be at the discretion of the people who produced it or whatever. Yeah. You know? Like, if, if Godard wants to call it movie Breathless for United States release, right. that's fine with me, and if he yeah. doesn't, then... That's fine. Yeah, it's typically uh, it's, or whomever. It's typically the case where you know where it gets officially translated on it, but where this is being released as Corneco, mm-hmm. I would pronounce. I would say is that. But if it was called the Black Cat and you were calling Corneco, you're kind of a douchebag. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, but you know what I mean. I do know what you mean. <laughs> it's a weird layer of confusion. Like mostly, I guess, unless you because if you don't know the native language, present it anyway. <laughs> we're getting into like a weird rabbit hole. Of, Semantical discussions. Yeah, of, of, be an angry uh, iTunes review about how we discuss. Of, of people calling things S N K when S N K means a very specific thing. When they never. Mind. You can uh, check out Andrew's blog 
for more information. <laughs> yeah, about, about why some things that abbreviate to SNK should just be abbreviated to something else because already is something that's been called SNK for a very long time, and it's very confusing. I get excited unnecessarily. So Koroneko, it's basically a mother and her daughter-in-law are brutally murdered and left for dead like while they're, you know, the husband's son is off to war by basically roving samurais. Mm-hmm. Samurai. I believe that's the plural. Samurai samurai? Yeah, I think it's samurai samurai. Yeah, it's like goose and goose. Yeah, goose and goose. Double. Well, no, it's goose and double goose. <laughs> goose goose. No, 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 no. Goose, double goose. But then in, when they translate it here, they're just like, let's just, let's just keep it simple. Well, there aren't any panthers in the bamboo in America. Right. Which is where they came up with the name. Yeah. The black cat. Because like, oh, we have a lot more cats in America. Mm-hmm. In our bamboo forests. Yeah, so anyway... Back to the point. Killed them. They're, they come basically they come back as spirits of vengeance, feasting on the blood of samurai. But then one of the samurai is you know son husband. Uh, that's Jintoki of the Grove. Jintoki of the Grove, correct. Then the daughter basically, or, yeah, or she's the daughter-in-law. So basically, the younger of the two. Mm-hmm. Shige, right? It's it's Yune and Shige. Yeah, okay. Yone, Yone, and Shige. They only say her name once, so Shige. they say Shige a lot more times. Yeah, they do say that quite a bit more times. Shige being the daughter, Yone being the mother. Mm-hmm. So Shige basically trades her eternal vengeance for seven days with her lover, and then vanishes. But then the mother continues her vengeance, mm-hmm. and is. Temporarily stopped and then gets away with it to go commit more vengeance. Yeah. Yep. So, uh. And Kinchiko of the Grove presumably dies. I, I. It looked like he was dead to me. He's pretty much. Yeah. He, specifically, he cuts off uh, his, uh, his mother, Demon's arm. Yeah. And has to go to, like, the thing. Do a seven day purification. Yeah. And then she comes back and takes the arm and he then goes crazy or something and has to follow her. He ends up. Just uh, running around the uh, their their like mansion, their ghost, their, their ghost, ghost kill house, ghost house, ghost house. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and it just craps from exhaustion or something. Yeah, e- eventually in the um their old burned down house. Yeah, they, they the, their their house alternates between being this uh, the site of their blood drinking. Murders. Yeah, their kill house. Their kill house, right? Belsar's going to be kill house and the ruins of their um, murder site. Yeah, the the ruins of their old house. Kill house or murder site. Yeah. yeah. Don't confuse the two. Near the twain shall meet. Those are technical terms. It's, yes, that's from the. You see, uh, in I Japanese, took, and a lot of I took a lot of film classes. So Kuroneku means kill house. So I, I like this movie. I did too. Yeah, that was pretty good. Um, One thing I want to say right at the beginning that I noticed: mm-hmm. sound was very effective in this film. Like, yeah. T- two things to point out. Well, technically three, more like two and a half things. Especially is the sort of like the reunion and the the initial killings. They're juxtaposed. They're, I mean, they're shot very similarly. Yeah, I I, I also noticed that. But as there's like the pounding, I think it's a taiko drum. 
during the killings which is just like this monotonous kind of like pounding and it's just this tense deep instrument there, there was a montage of yeah. uh, three or four samurai being killed in a pretty much identical manner with a taiko, taiko drum or whatever instrument that was I think it is that would make sense um, yeah sort of like keeping time um, but it also just has like this kind of like ominous sound to it because it's yeah, just it's, it, it was it's, it was most of the soundtrack, and it was just it's, it's deep. But then juxtapose when, what's his name again? Jintoki of the Grove. Jintoki, when he comes back, it's the same scenes being shot, but it is like a like a single stringed instrument with a little extra flourish just tucked in occasionally. Yeah, it, and that is that, that's interesting because they did. The visually, it's like almost symmetrical to the uh, to the killings, but uh, the, but sound, it, the sound sort of frames it in a different way. But it also, I think, creates a bit of tension because it also sounds like it could be like a bittersweet thing, mm-hmm. and you think they're going to kill him. Yeah, that's that's a very actually those scenes are very effective because probably because of the way uh, they were shot to be, to reflect one another. Yeah, and like you're saying the music. Because it wasn't purely like a um, triumphant return, sort of like romantic, like accompaniment. It was very much this kind of somber, subdued sort of thing. Yeah, and I was actually I was to say I was more impressed with the visuals of the movie in general yeah. than I was the sound. Um, not I'm not uh, putting down the sound, but. Um, I just found the visuals very striking. I know there was a one early on when um, I think it was the first murder, yeah. And like um, you cut away to the silhouette of the uh, daughter devouring, drinking the blood of the corpse. Yeah. But it was through the um, the walls of the house. It was very striking. It makes a good. This movie makes a very good use of like translucent yeah, materials. Absolutely. That's actually. I guess it's kind of sort of a recurring theme. Or, uh, not theme, but motif. Visual motif. Yeah, visual motif. Oh, the second thing I was saying, Mm -hmm. to get back on that point before I lose it, is when he's in the purification and the mother is sort of like accosting him from outside. Yeah. It's very well mixed, so it's like he is clearly in like a large cavernous isolated room, but you hear her like, her audio is clearly following the camera, so you get a sense that she's sort of surrounding you. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was an interesting. That was an interesting scene. I I like that. I like the just like the subtle differences in like the audio mixing creates this, this strong sense of inside outside. Oh, but even yeah, it even like touches on a little bit of like a little bit of like classism right in the end. There sneaks it in there. Yeah, that, I feel like I, I sort of felt like that was like the primary message of the film. It was really it wasn't a, without really. Excluding the, 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 is it feminist or not? Yeah. Because I guess it's kind of a moot point. Um, that was what I, I thought I was kind of getting at, was that, like, there was sort of a recurring dialogue throughout the film about samurai. They are not, like, the chivalrous... Yeah, right. ...warriors of virtue from the very beginning. Right. Yeah, well, literally. From, yeah, exactly. So, like, from, from the jump, you know that they're not these sort of, like, noble warriors that this guy, like, claims at them to be. These protectors of the realm. Yeah, so it's very much about the victims of, of uh, sort of those, uh, or sort of that that, um, that mythology. Yeah. And uh, 
the price of having a bunch of warriors wandering around. Yeah. Of, you know, I guess, like, peace and peace through just violence. Right. Uh, this is also, this is a ghost story. Yeah. Which I don't think we've done too many actual ghost stories, have we? Um, there was House. House, yep. Also a Japanese movie. I, I think the Japanese skew towards ghosts as their main monster. Hmm. I think. I'm, certain, I'm, sure, I'm sure we're forgetting. There's must have been another ghost story at some point, but... Um... Is Dr. Mabusa ghost? He could actually be a ghost. That's an interesting one. <laughs> Dr. Mabusa is something. He is translucent. Sometimes. When he wants to be. There's another. There's two other Dr. Mabusa movies, too, you know? I know. I, I, I was thinking about watching the third one for this this podcast. Ooh. I know the first one's like four hours long, so I was going to skip that one. <laughs> I've watched some of it. Does it have an intermission? Probably. I didn't get there. I tried to watch it once. I didn't get to the intermission if there was one. I mean, there should be. If you make a movie that long, you should have an intermission. Yeah, I don't know if like the uh, Netflix version would have an intermission. Uh, and I, I, my understanding is the third one's actually really weird. Yeah, but so was the second one. So yeah, I mean, it depends what you mean by really weird. Well, Fritz Lang was almost blind when he made it. Okay. So <laughs> I don't think we. Well, yeah, because most of the um, American movies are straight up. There's monsters. Hmm. There's been plenty. I mean, I know there's been plenty of ghosts. There are a lot of. There are plenty of ghost stories. Ghost story, American ghost story movies. It's just I don't but, think we've done them. But that particular era too is also more about monsters. Yeah, the era that we covered. Because you know, everyone wanted to make their own monster, and a ghost is not a very convincing monster. Did we? Did we do any haunted house type movies? Well, we did the old dark house, but that was a. Uh, well, I guess the ghost the ghost movies we've covered didn't actually have ghosts in them. Because yeah. Sonic Hill is also a ghost movie, I suppose. But the real ghost was man. The real ghost was man all along. <laughs> yeah. As it usually is. And so the same with the old Dark House. There was no ghost really in that. The real ghost was man. The real ghost was man. The real ghost was potatoes. <laughs> I mean, it's a fine fruit. It's my favorite fruit. <laughs> I see. It's a good... You can just chow right into it. Yeah. No cooking required. Yeah. Well, this—I mean, this is interesting. This is also this guy also directed Onibaba, which okay. I know I'm not sure if we're going to watch for the series. I originally had it written down, but I whittled the list down to like twelve, so I don't know. If that I'm... means demon grandma, does it? As I combine two languages, well, uh, Oni means demon, and Baba. I, I'm thinking, you know, I thought Onibaba literally just meant demon. And no, I think that's just Oni. Hmm. Demon hag. Oh, <laughs> well, because I was thinking of the Baba Yaga. Yep. So. I guess there must have been some kind of... Well, they're pretty close to each other. Yeah. Geographically speaking. It's true. And uh, they fought a war once. Yeah. So I guess words could translate. Words could definitely translate. Sometimes words mean the same thing. I'm looking to see if I have the list of the movies. Oh, okay. Um, here we go. Yep, Onibaba is on the list. All right. Um, yeah so uh, director um, something Shindo Kaneti, Kaneto Shindo movie, Kaneto touching on this other movie which I think is also a ghost story uh, it sounds like a demon story perhaps it is unless she's unless the old hag ate the demon hag uh, well I sort of like I sort of like these cosmologies of, of and that's that's not foreign thing necessarily there's a lot of older movies just have sort of or a lot of modern movies too do but I like I prefer it when they don't um, 
like if it's a demon or if it's a ghost or if it's a like, spirit or a specter or whatever yeah. like there's no you prefer to just be a, a vague malevolent force exactly which, think... which this movie very much is like yeah. there's a black there's a black cat you know but well the I think Jap- Japanese religion at this time was somewhat um, there, it, well just like um like like the Roman Empire or something where there was a lot of competing religions and well, I mean, things. there was in this exact movie yeah there was in this exact movie too because she was like no I don't follow oh right she says I don't follow I follow the yin and the yang yeah I don't know what he would do would that be like Shinto could be because I think that is the predominant religion yeah there would have been Buddhism too right in Japan yeah. went there yeah I don't I, and Buddhism, Buddhism has a cosmology of gods or some, some versions of Buddhism too right I just don't what you know what you would assume the default to be yeah I don't know when Shinto becomes the primary religion Either. we're just we don't we, we have some holes in our Japanese uh, our Japanese history yeah <laughs> weird how we would have holes in our Japanese history with our American education system this took place during the Heian period yeah we, we did figure that out yeah um, which is the uh, pre-feudal I believe pre-feudal era it's the, the rise of the samurai yes as Andrew put it earlier which is as this movie put it earlier yeah this movie touches on that several times so this is uh, in addition to being a ghost it's also a period piece yeah which is another thing we don't get very often in this no podcast. they tend to be contemporary right or a period but like we just dressed up in old clothes <laughs> yeah I mean well I guess the most of the uh, uh, Roger Corman Price movies are, are uh, period pictures period pieces <laughs> but they all speak with uh, gaudy American accents and there's no real um, reflection of the time but this is um, sort of thematically informed by the period it's set in yeah importantly hmm. but back to the film proper yeah um, visually well I think they did a very good job with the sort of like nebulous nature of the house yeah that was good both in terms of like you know the hard cuts to the point where it's like, you know, they clearly made sure the guy was staged in the exact same position. So it was like as the hard cut between the burned and the normal house. Yeah. Seamlessly. But also sort of as as the kill was going on and you had the mother off dancing, even though it's like she's supposed to be in the house, it's shot in a stage very, so it feels very otherworldly. Yeah. Well, the layout of their house, I feel like, was sort of nebulous. Yeah. Like, um, I, I wasn't able to ever get, like, a handle on the relationship between the rooms. Right. And, uh, I don't know if that's on purpose or if I'm just poor, <laughs> poor at, <laughs> like, mapping things out of my head. But, yeah. But no. um, I, I, it was it definitely had, like, a the scenes in their house, and I, most of the scenes actually had a real dreamlike quality to it, which is very affecting and effective. Yes. Um, because it adds into sort of like creating a sense of a ghost story hmm. um, and I, did, I also found this movie pretty um, something else I, something else I thought was interesting about this movie was the way it felt very as you were saying theatrical it felt very stagey yeah I know that you mentioned earlier that there was um, some sort of Japanese theater that they seemed to be no, that was just unrelated. They didn't exactly do that. Mm-hmm. It was just when he was kneeling and I had just been thinking about it or learned about it. Mm. 
so I happened to be thinking about it at the time. Although I don't think they necessarily used it, because that's a very different thing. Yeah, okay. Well, anyway, they... Part of the way the... Um, or one of the things about the house, that that, that house sort of felt like a, a stage set yeah. a lot of the times. I mean, obviously, because it was, but also it... it the scenes around the... Uh, where they were drinking the sake. Yeah. That felt very much like a, a stage scene, you know, like a theater scene. And right. then we had to cut with the dancing, which also felt um, less filmic and more like you're watching something being performed. Being performed. Yeah, which is, you know. Which is, it was because they, they felt even, it felt typically even more abstract than the, yeah. than the house. Which, so maybe I'm just. Um, Really, what I'm trying to say, rather, is that it was wasn't very naturalistic. Yeah, it was sort of um, specialistic, yeah. theatrical. Yeah, uh, which is interesting because it actually is it's cut between a few scenes of fairly naturalistic, um, either violence, right, or things like that. Like uh, the scene in the reeds when Jintoki kills the uh, enemy general. Yeah, um, that that was fairly naturalistic, and the scenes, the killing scenes, where like uh, the uh, murdered samurai were parring at um, Shinji, that that seemed pretty naturalistic. Right. And so did the obviously the beginning scene. But it's just so it's it's kind of like it because it's so it's like very clearly sort of like the preparation is. When they're acting, yeah, it looks like a stage. Uh huh. <laughs> well, that's that's true, I guess. But they're acting the whole time, right? No, no, no. But I mean, when the characters oh, are when act- the characters are acting, when the characters oh. are acting, it's presented as a. It feels that's very, interesting. It feels more theatrical. That's interesting. When they're acting, or like when the mother is performing, mm-hmm. it feels more like a stage. Yeah, that would be interesting. That that was that was purposeful. That's that's cool. That I mean, it sounds like it could be purposeful. I didn't even think about that until you mentioned it. Mm. Because, yeah, like, when they're outside or, like, when he's off talking to Raiko, it doesn't feel... It has a very... A more natural there's kind of feel to like it. like a juxtaposition between those two moods, uh, two types of scenes. Yeah, it feels more like a traditional sort of, like, in real life yeah. kind of period film. Well, it, yeah, it felt it felt more like what I... I mean, the only other Japanese movies I've really seen have been Kurosawa movies. Yeah. And it felt more like one of those at that point. Right. That's interesting. I think you just stumbled onto something. <laughs> the long, the long way around. Yeah, but you know, sometimes you know you're you're real fresh off the movie. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, I've been trying to think of like as I'm getting as you know, you take in art, sort of like what is the intent of the piece? Yeah, and what are they trying to convey? Yeah, I think that stuff's interesting. I, I'm never really sure how important it is. Right. My, my my inclination is like not important. Um, I think it's more more important to like. I I always think of movies and all art to be more important to 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 reflect on. For the for the beholder or the sure. consumer to reflect on, yeah, and what it means personally to them, than to um, worry too much about the intention of the artist or the creator yeah. because I don't think the intention of the artist or the creator in the end is really that important 
I, I think the finished product is important. And right. The finished product is an individual subjective experience. What I mean is sort of like when, you, when you're looking at something and sort of engaging with it, mm-hmm. I like, I, I'm starting to look so like, well, what was the, I like to see sort of like trying to think like what was the intended, is it being successfully conveyed to me? Mm. I mean, that's, 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 I guess that's a metric you could use to evaluate. Yeah. Or, like in or, terms of like an evaluation, partially evaluation, but it's partially like if something's working for me I'm, and I, I sort of like think backwards, like, well, could that really worked for me? But why did that work for me? And sort of like trying, you know, to understand the piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you're like, oh, that really worked for me. And then sort of like, do I, Oh, that's because that's exactly how we're supposed to work. I see what you're saying. I mean, I, th- I think grading things is weird anyway. Yeah, I don't. I try. We. I think we both try not to. Yeah, sometimes in general. But uh, I don't, I'm. I, I'm sure I've, we've scored something at some point. I think we've given some funny, funny scores to things. I think we've given something a number of Draculas before. Yeah, but I mean. Um, Yeah, in the end, I think it's just like it's like a binary. It's not a, not a binary thing, but your experiences of the movie are personal and don't always translate well into other people's experiences of the movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, your your experience with the movies can change with time of day. Mm-hmm. That's well. That's why we try to talk about the movies and not, you know. About how good the movie. Well, we do talk about how good the movie, but we don't talk. We don't try to evaluate it. No, we talk. We try to talk about it. If we say why we thought the movie was good, yeah, it's sort of like what made the movie good to us. We try to just offer observations about the movie, right? Yeah, because I think that is sort of like in a lot of ways more effective than just yeah. like because that's sort of like the same thing. Is what I'm saying is you're sort of you are. You're evaluating something. To some extent, but you're sort of also evaluating by breaking down the pieces and saying how these pieces worked and how these things interwove with each other and how they all kind of fed back into my own experience. Yeah. I will say this for this movie as a horror movie, there's not that much to goof on it. It was like pretty straightforward and like. No, I mean. I, I'm not sure about the translation in some parts. Yeah, because I mean, it could have just been. It is, it is a movie from 1968, so. Um, sometimes dialogue from movies from the 60s is is, is, is not the most. Uh, it's a little stilted. A little stilted, but um. So I don't know if that's a translation or if that's. Yeah, because uh, some when it was translated or what you know. It just, I think something's probably lost in the translation regardless. Yeah, I think things are always going to be lost in translation. Just like even if you understand the language through and through, I think things are always going to be lost in translation because you don't necessarily have the culture. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Um, but yeah, there's a whole thing between, you know, the concept of translation and localization. That's a, yeah, that's a whole other topic for sure. Yeah. Um, and we haven't oddly we haven't really touched on it a lot given that this is like the fifth or sixth uh, right. horror movie we've done well I mean because for the most part we don't have 
the vocabulary. Mm. Yeah, so, we're not equipped to discuss it, I guess. No. Yeah, no. that's true. The, the, the last movie that I... The only movie that I felt sort of comfortable with, like going word by word with, to some extent, was Pan's Labyrinth. Mm-hmm. Because I've retained enough knowledge of Spanish that I can comfortably like hear... I can hear along as I read the subtitles. Did Del Toro write that movie as well? I Probably. Mm. I think he's usually a writer-director type. Yeah, I didn't, I, didn't know if he, I didn't know if he was a writer-director type, if he was just like a story guy. And then like... I, I think he's like, see, like... Yeah, I think he likes to get all in the guts of everything. Yeah. I, I, I read some of his script for At the Mountains of Madness. Yeah. It's actually pretty good. <laughs> oh. It's never going to get made. <laughs> Not yet? Maybe? No, I don't think it's going to get made. No? Not that one. It was, a, it was cool, though. It was like a... Had a Call of Cthulhu vibe because it was like a set in the 30s or set in the 40s, maybe. But I, you know, it was. But if anyone could do weird Lovecraftian monsters, well, I think the problem with that is he want he wants to make like an R-rated movie that's going to cost like a oh. million dollars. But then it's also going to be like not a blockbuster, but like a like a Del Toro movie. Yeah, it's going to be like a. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, anyway, that's all another topic as well. Right. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's Karneko. Uh, Karneko. I don't even. I don't have much else to say about it. No. Honestly. I mean, it's a good movie. Yeah, it's through and through. It's it's a good one. Yeah. Um. So now we get to everyone's favorite segment of the podcast. Oh, uh-huh, what's that? <laughs> that's the part. The outro. Where? What? The outro? No. The second we do every single week. Uh huh. Good. You know the ones the fans look forward to. The Bechtel test. No, not that one. <laughs> that that's a moot point. That was like we realized like two episodes in there's like it's never gonna happen. No, like not only is this not a great metric for like judging a film, but also not gonna happen. Mm. Go on. Like I was saying, I mean you should know this by now. Yeah, well, I, you, yeah. you do it every week. Every week. <laughs> every week. You're like, I'm getting it all in on this segment of the podcast that I'm super into. And that is our favorite Dracula. Our favorite Dracula. Where was he this week? Well, I think my favorite Dracula is probably Bela Lugosi. No, no, no. no. (laughs) I mean, in this week, we try and find the Draculas of every movie. Yeah. So where was the Dracula in Karnaka, you think? The Dracula was man the whole time. Oh, shit. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) it's usually the case, but like, that's spot on this week. Well, sometimes it's not man. Sometimes it's Dracula. (laughs) Sometimes it is Dracula. But no, you're right. This time it was man. Yeah. So I, I think that so far puts you at like 95 points, which is a pretty good score, honestly. <laughs> and Dracula? Yeah, 95 Draculas. Well, I mean, you have 95. I have 95 Draculas. No, I would say you have like 95 Renfields, which translates into about 13 and a half Draculas. Yeah, I guess if you're using the Imperial translation. I am. Okay. I mean, what do you think? Dracula, Dracula is not from America. Of course I'm going to use it. Well, so shouldn't he use the metric system? No, no, but he's he's a foreign invader. Oh, okay. So he's kind of co-opting our systems. They're not sending their best people, Andrew. <laughs> um, They're sending Renfield. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's just going to come over to America and eat our bugs. Or our rats or whatever he eats. We'd like to start taking listener questions and comments on the show. I know Andrew especially has been talking about this. Yeah, he calls me every night to tell me how badly he wants listener questions and or comments on the show. Once a night. Every night. Every night, uh, seven forty-five p.m. If you have a Eastern message, Standard Time. If you have a message, you can leave a message for us by calling 508-817-3408 and leaving a voicemail. Or if you would never do that for strangers, like I wouldn't. Are there any other options? 
Well, some people like to call messages and leave voicemails. Oh, I certainly don't. I, I, that's a common thing on podcasts. Is it? Yeah, it is. I've never heard that on a podcast. Well, you don't listen to enough, I guess. Apparently, I don't. I actually haven't listened to podcasts in a while. Um, you can email me at matt at goldenagehorror.com. That seems like the ideal email address. Definitely. You could also email to uh, spookyboy scares him up at goldenagehorror.com. That's Andrew. I probably want it. <laughs> spookyboy scares him up. Spookyboys. At goldenagehorror.com. I'm pretty sure it forwards to your actual email address. So. Okay. Then, so you might, you might then, then I might get it. <laughs> And Matt at goldenhard.com. Which is the better option. Yeah, I do, I'm more likely to receive your message than uh, Spooky Boy Scares Him Up. Spooky Boy Scares Him Up at goldenhard.com. But um, Andrew's the, the message manager, so do you want to give him a... I'm going to delegate message manager over <laughs> <to> you. <laughs> okay. Uh, that was episode 42 of the goldenhard.com podcast. Early 8 away from uh, episode 50. Yes, which sounds like a milestone. <laughs> it's a number. <laughs> So it's 42. Certainly. Uh, certainly. Some might say the only number. Uh, but I think we'll actually be probably doing the podcast for close to three or four years at that point. Maybe, maybe more. By the time we get to 50? Maybe 50. Yeah. Well, we're, I think we've already been doing it for three or four years. <laughs> so we managed to squeeze up 50 episodes. <laughs> yeah. Well, there was a there was the, almost a year we took off one time. Oh, okay. But um, next, um, hopefully okay. next month, but the next episode for sure will be Eyes Without a Face. Eyes Without a Face. Yeah. We're going to be listening to it for about an hour and a half long. Yep. Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and then by then we're gonna like give our full opinions on it. No other songs. Well, I was good. I was gonna say something um, funny about Billy Idol, but then I realized there's nothing funny about Billy Idol. <laughs> it's a serious business. <laughs> you sure Billy Idol himself isn't funny? General concept. It seems like he has a sense of humor. Um, there's something comical about him. Mm. Is that like? There's nothing comic, comical about a like a virtuoso <laughs> playing the violin virtuosically, you know? Yeah. White wedding. It's a fine day for one. That's all I can tell you will be. I'm all, I'm all, I'm all idled out. You could also tell us about Eyes Without a Face. I already did though. And what about? Uh, I love with that. The other one. Hand clap. The sound of one hand clapping. Food for a beggar. Um, the sound of one Billy idling. Even up for Morrissey recently. What? He opened up for Morrissey at the LA uh, Coliseum or Hollywood Bowl. Or Good for one of them. <laughs> uh, so next week uh, on the Billy Idol next podcast. Month. <laughs> oh, oh, shit. You're going to blow up our spot, our Billy Idol podcast? Yeah, that'll, that's coming soon from goldenhr.com network of podcasts. We call it Pod Without a Face. Uh, Don't put pods in the name of your podcast title. Don't put cast in the name of your podcast title. <laughs> if you can avoid it. Pod Without a Cast. Pod without a cast. <laughs> cast without a pod. Um, feel free to leave us a positive it's a nice rating or review on iTunes. God. No, no. Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, visit our website. It's nice to start again with your outro. Visit our website for more information, articles, and show notes. That's www.goldenhr.com. If you liked our podcast, please. Feel free to leave us a rating or review on iTunes or any or Yelp or any of your whichever <laughs> podcast uh, review aggregation service you make find. Your own, make your own website. Yeah, podcastsbyandrew.com. Podcastslike.com. Um, Go to it, create our podcast, give it the highest score of whatever rating system you develop, and that's it. That's it. Leave it at that. Uh, uh, actually, if you go to podcastsbymatt.com, 
You'll see that I've given GoldenAgeHorror.com podcast three out of five Draculas. <laughs> that's a lot of. I mean, that's a lot of Draculas. Yeah. I wish we could get five out of five Draculas. Well, we're not that good. <laughs> no. <laughs> so. I mean, is that it's an aspirational score? Yeah. I think maybe after this episode comes out, comes out, we'll bump it up to three and a half Draculas. No, nah, two and a half Draculas. <laughs> um, <laughs> Wait, which, which direction does the scale go? If you don't want to miss an episode. Oh no, Draculas is good. You don't want any Draculas. That's true. That's true. If you don't want to miss an episode, you can join our mailing list at our website. Um, every once in a while, I send out an email. Do you have an RSS history? The website has an RSS feed. Oh, and well. it's a podcast, so of course it does. Yes. Um, there's a, yeah, there's actually two RSS feeds available. Ooh. So you could just get the whole website as an RSS. One Matt only, one Andrew only. <laughs> Which audio channel do you want? Gross. It's really hard to audit. It's really hard to edit because um, we use the same microphone. Um, we also have a Facebook page, which is probably honestly the most reliable way to not miss an episode short of the RSS feed. I mean, unless Facebook algorithms just bury the podcast page. True, true enough. I'm certainly not paying them a ransom to let you see the podcast. Yeah. But um, people do seem to find it on Facebook. Um, the Facebook page is all, it's facebook.com slash allgodless here. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at the water method or Andrew Ride Pizza Pranks. It's also another great way to get a message to us if you want to, us to talk about it on the show. Uh, Andrew has a website, pizzapranks.ish.io. True. Uh, video games there that you could play. Yeah, probably. Uh, they're all directly themed. Uh, our theme, our theme <laughs> I, music, I only wish. <laughs> our theme music is the Swan Lake dub by Dubology. Um, as I said, next month, Eyes Without a Face. Thanks for listening. Again, that website is www.goldenhr.com. Well, that's www.